This is Geek Gab with your host, Brian and me, Danny Warpig. We are back. That's right, Geek Gab for Sunday, October 2nd, 2016. This is episode 71. This is going to be another one of those meandering ones, so you just have to sit back and enjoy it. As of right now, our co-host, John, is missing in action, but we have... Well, I can't say weeks. I don't actually know. But I have mostly every, almost pretty much sort of every single confidence that he will in actuality show up sometime during the show. So typically at this point, I would ask John how his week has been. But as I previously mentioned, he is in point of fact missing in action. So, Brian. How was your week? Well, as good as any week spent sedentary and like staring at a computer screen for hours on end can be. So pretty great. Got a lot of work done. And you are now 81.6% finished with the third novel in your trilogy? Yes, if you want to get really precise, 81.643%, yeah. How's it going? Are you, are, you, are you feeling good about how the novel's progressing? I'm feeling phenomenal about how it's progressing, let me tell you, because just yesterday, okay, to take a step back, as we discussed on the show, I am a big fan of outlining. I'm definitely an architect. I mean, very few writers are 100% architects or organic writers, pantsers, gardeners. They go by many names. I'm about a 60-40 blend, 60% outlining, 40% organic writing. And so even though I do quite extensive outlines, uh, some of our listeners may have seen the notebooks containing my initial outlines that I, that I posted on Twitter and Facebook. Over time, as you come up with new ideas, and sometimes even your characters will, will present you with better ways to take the plot that is more in line with their personalities. So yesterday I took stock my outline. A refresh document went and really wrote a whole new updated one that I could just see falling into place the puzzle thing. So I have a roadmap I can see my way clear line I know exactly where I'm going, and all that's left is just uh, roll up my sleeves and do the work and finish the race. Excellent. Well, we are obviously looking forward to that, so hopefully you'll be able to... Well, it looks like you're, you'll be able to hit your Christmas deadline easily, I'm guessing. Well, we're getting to the point where it's going to depend on other people because the uh, percentages that I'm putting out there are for the first draft. Okay, which, which is the most time-consuming part. After this, I'm immediately going to go into a second revision. And normally, I kind of let the manuscript sit on the windowsill to cool for a couple weeks to get some distance. Uh, now this time, I'm just going to go straight into it and uh, try to get that done in a couple weeks. Then that's going to go out to the beta readers. Any of you who, are, who have read Ethereal and Soul Dancer, preferably, and want to beta read Secret Kings... Keep an eye on my blog. I'll be putting out a call for beta readers. Uh, the beta readers this time will have two weeks 
to get me back their notes on the novel. I think that's eminently reasonable. One, because I know how long this book is going to be. It's going to be my shortest one yet. It should hit that nice 100,000 word, 400 page sweet spot nicely. And all my braid readers have to do is go through the manuscript and tell me where, if anywhere, they felt confused or bored. That's it. They don't have to suggest changes. They don't have to nitpick over grammar. Um, me and Jadji will do more of that. Um, so then I will take their notes, do a third pass, send the third pass to Jadji. She's usually pretty fast. Then do the final draft based on her notes. Uh, then I send it into Pulgar Studio for formatting. Um, I've already contacted Marcelo about commissioning a cover. So provided all these elements um, coalesce in a timely manner, yeah, I, I think I can do this. Excellent. That, Looking forward to it. Thanks. Good yeah, that is how the, thanks. That is how the sausage is made. Speaking of... Speaking uh, of sausage. Behind the scenes chaos. Ooh. Took that in a different but yet strangely similar direction. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, sorry, I missed the first minute or two. Real life intrudes, but real life is good. Real geeking is good. Uh, I'm really happy to hear uh, about the updates on your uh, on your book, Brian. Uh, I, I caught that picture that you posted of all your notebooks. Um, Mrs. Okay. Dornall, Mrs. Dornall, in fact, is uh, uh, doing a little uh, writing of herself on the side, and uh, it's it's more, definitely more of a hobby thing. Uh, but I mentioned the uh, picture. Uh, I mentioned the notebook thing. I'm like, hey, you know, Brian's got you know a notebook for each book, uh, talking about like her taking notes and and maybe doing a little writing this weekend. And she just got all wide-eyed when she saw it. Really? <laughs> Good way or bad way? <laughs> I think she, I don't want to discourage anyone. Well, I I think she thought it was a bad way. I don't think she's been doing any uh, any notes or outlining or anything uh, the way you have. There are people who don't, and be sure to tell her, I produced those notes over the course of 16 years, okay? Between 16 and like three years ago. So Rome wasn't built in a day. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, okay. I'm sure to, to keep going. And yeah, if it's just a hobby, you're going to write some shoebox novels, some trunk novels. That's fine. A little bit of self-enrichment, self-expression. Yeah, she's not in competition with me. This isn't a race. <laughs> well, I mean, you're way ahead by a dragon anyway. Yeah, well, then we've got guys like Kevin J. Anderson and John Ringo who each finished a novel within, like, the first couple minutes of the show. So you should never compare yourself to another writer. That way lies madness. Um, have, go ahead. I have a project I use Scrivener. I use electronic notes because uh, because paper notes drive me nuts. I can't read my own handwriting anyway. Uh, I have to have it on electronic. I have to have electronic copies of stuff. That way I can back it up to like four different places. I'm not kidding. Um, that's not exaggeration. <laughs> no, if you don't have something backed up in at least three places, you don't care about it. Um but just one of my electronic documents for my role-playing game project uh, has 3,500 separate text files in it. 
that are different notes about different things. Not all of them are huge. I mean, some of them are just like a couple of lines. Some of them are just, you know, one chart of like somebody, somebody mentioned, oh, well, I, I want to really have a, a chart for randomly generated attributes. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to put that in the rule book, but I might stick it on the website later for, you know, somebody asks. So I thought about it. I said, okay, well, here's what I think that should generally be. So that's in there. You know, it's a, it's a 10 line, 12 line chart table. And uh, so that's one of the text files. That's one of the 3,500 text files in the doc in the project. But yeah, <laughs> notes upon notes upon notes, and that's just one of the projects. That's for the rule book itself. That's not any of the setting information. Read. I believe it. I I don't write my books directly from the spiral notebooks. I I do, as I said earlier. Uh, come up with an electronic outline. Those are just for the initial ideas. How, how much of those uh, notebooks is uh, just D&D campaign notes? Well, that's what they are. 100%. I, no, I game, I game my novels out. So, so that seems totally unfair. This goes back to something that we talked about a couple months ago, that someone made like a, a soul dancer prestige class or something for, uh, for D20 or whatever. How, is that, how yeah. is that even remotely balanced? How is the character class balanced? Yeah, how, how, how do you possibly balance that? They seem OP. <laughs> he, do you know that Daddy Warpig? He's, he's concerned with balance. <laughs> That's cute. Man, <laughs> I, I'm still. I'm wondering why you're dragging me into this conversation. I'm <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, I thought I could. Thought I could get get some room there, but no. Um, and let me tell you. Let me tell you this, Dornall. Yeah, that uh, that prestige class is horribly nerfed. <laughs> okay. You said you would. Uh, you're reading Soul Dancer. You've run into that character, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm about halfway through the book now. Cool. Which I hope didn't hurt, because that's a lot like running into a brass statue. Um, we didn't bruise or break anything. But, um, womp, womp. yeah, so I try. So, yeah, I mean, if you, when you, when you're done with the book or even right now, if you go back and look at what Ian wrote, yeah, we had to go over that. Cause I, I actually submitted a more accurate initial version to him. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I can release this to people. I don't feel right unleashing, unleashing this on the world. Let's, uh, let's dial this back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like level adjustment plus four or something. Oh, it's well, well. I mean, I, I mean, just just halfway through the book, uh, just to get extra nerdy on the topic of of D and D specifically, like Wait, hold, hold it, back up, back up, back up. If I was running three point five, that's an interesting mechanic you just proposed. Okay. I mean, just we assume that one level in any given class is equal to one character level. That you gain a level in a prestige class or gain a level in a regular class, and that's equal to one character level. And so each of the class levels is balanced to be theoretically, assuming you don't try to combine books from like six different product lines together and come up with some cockamamie combination that nobody ever thought of. But what if you added in as a mechanic saying, okay, this particular prestige class now has a level adjustment. 
So when you gain the first level in this prestige class, mm -hmm. it has a plus four character level adjustment. So let's say you were level 10. Or let's say you're level nine. Let's make the math a lot easier. And you gain the first level in this prestige class that has a level four plus four character level adjustment. So your character level as far as hit dice and saving throws and base attack bonus and everything goes up to 10. But as far as experience points required to reach the next level, you are now level 14 because you have gained so much power from this overpowered prestige class, it's just as if you were taking, uh, as if you had a racial level in some racial character class or whatever. That's an interesting mechanic. I'm not saying that's a good mechanic, and that may be a little bit too complicated for some campaigns, but that would be an interesting mechanic to implement to have some kind of to allow superpowered prestige classes that would bring something like Rifts-esque uh, high power levels into a regular campaign. That's an interesting mechanic. I don't know that you necessarily meant to propose that, but that is an interesting mechanic. I was thinking along the lines of the, yeah, the, the racial thing, like you, you play a monster and you're considered a level or two higher. Right, but, yeah. but that's how you would implement it as a, as a prestige class, as a Soul Dancer prestige class is, you would drop that in for the first level of Soul Dancer. So yeah, your character level is 10, but it's effectively a 14 as far as gaining experience points for the next level, so even though your base attack bonus and everything is still only level 10. So all of those other abilities yeah. and stuff that you get would have to make up for that, plus three, plus two, plus one, whatever you decided it was worth that you would get from the class. Interesting mechanic. It, yeah, it almost goes back to second ed where the uh, classes needed different amounts of experience to level up. So for prestige class like you're talking about, you not only have to meet the prerequisites to qualify for the class and then get enough experience and then uh, you know, gain a level and choose to take a level in the prestige class, but then it would take you more experience to get to level two and so on in that prestige class than normal. Right? And I Or any other class you took because right? if your character ah, level yeah. gets bumped up to fourteen but you decide to take a level in fighter, you you're gonna have to take a level in fighter at the at the higher experience level because now your effective character level is fourteen for strange. I think you cut out again. Yeah, I, I got that from both of y'all. I, I think the internet's unhappy with us today. Oh. So, so the reason uh, uh, the reason I've got tabletop gaming on the brain is that I, I hit a uh, milestone I didn't think I'd hit uh, just a couple of days ago. It's been one year since I started that uh, that game after work. Oh, happy anniversary! Oh uh, yeah. And uh, which is weird, considering that I started off as this sort of open table, you know, email the whole company, anybody who wants to, you know, show up on Wednesday afternoon, yeah. just show up and play. Um, right. It's it's more or less the same group of people, and and uh, we've been going for a whole year. That that that's really rare. Most campaigns don't last that long. And it's it's not even like that sort of campaign. I'm still running the mega dungeon. These guys are only level five, you know. 
they're just starting to get into the deeper, deeper secrets of, of the, uh, the dungeon. Which means, unfortunately, that I'm probably going to have to start doing actual planning for new adventures in, in another six months or so. Always fun. Do you have any ideas that you can mention on the air? Um, not so much. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But I wish you Godspeed. Yeah, the, 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 the biggest idea I have is that um, a couple of the players have sort of expressed an interest in, in seeing what else is out there in, you know, this world. And uh, my response has mostly been, well, well, there's this great big dungeon that is already prepared if you want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so it, might, it might turn a little more towards uh, wilderness exploration. Um, of course, that means, that means dipping into the OSR toolkit because D&D uh, 3.5 doesn't have really great rules for exploration. Well, have you guys seen that there's apparently some sort of controversy going on between like certain folks in the OSR community and the pulp revival community? No. No, not really. There's okay. just one guy and then you, you don't want to get it. Let me make an analogy. All right. It began as a series of two different internet flame wars that oh. both began one began 16 years ago one began 10 years ago Whoa. that both of them are moot they're both pretty much over now and it's just two people it's jeffro on one side and the rpg pundit on the other and i don't really think that it's pertinent anymore it's not really pertinent huh. either to the pulp revival or to the osr community and I understand why Jeffro's angry about it. I do. I get why he's angry about it completely, and I'm not. I'm not criticizing him for it, and I'm not saying he shouldn't be angry, and I'm not trying right. to put him down for it. I just think that there's nothing to be gained by by raking over these coals. Um, the people in the OSR community have largely moved on from Appendix N books, um, which. Maybe good, maybe bad, doesn't matter. They largely have. They've moved on to other stuff that's not fantasy-oriented, like Stars Without Number. It's a hex-crawl space game. And so it's not a fantasy D&DS game, but it still basically uses old-school D&D rules. Yeah, my um, buddy who, who did the, the Soul Dancer template is really into OSR, but on more the uh, surreal side. So like um, Legend of the Flame Princess. and right. Yeah. So my point is that they have largely stopped talking about and reading the pulps. But the pulp revolution is all about not just Appendix N, but all of the other pulps. Amazing stories and, you know, all of yeah. those other pulp magazines. And so that's where the real conversation is happening. And whatever the RPG pundit thinks about that is completely irrelevant. He doesn't have any pull in the Pulp Revolution community. He doesn't have any pull in the author, writer, publisher community. And so his, uh, his opinions are irrelevant. And so whatever happens going forward, when the Pulp Revolution 
has an effect on role-playing again, and it will, when these Appendix N books have an effect on role-playing again, and it will, it will happen outside, the, outside of the OSR community. It will happen outside of D&D mechanics. It will happen in completely different game systems. And so I don't think that it is a productive conversation. I don't think it's a productive argument. And I think from the side of the pulp revolution, just understand that whatever the pundit says he's doing so because he sincerely believes it's for the best of the rpg hobby and then unless you're willing to dive into 15 year old and and 10 year old flame wars and unpack exactly what happened you're not going to understand what happened and also understand that doing that is going to be a waste of time it's just not going to be productive for you you're not going to get to the bottom of it and you're and when you do get to the bottom of it you're not going to feel any better about the time you wasted doing it Believe okay, me. Okay, I'm glad I asked you. It, <laughs> I believe you. Anybody who's listening, if you really honest to God want to know, I can tell you, you don't want to know. You don't want to take the time to know. And and to Jeffro, if you're listening, I could tell you it's not going to make you feel any better. It won't make you feel any less angry. I would just advise it to just understand you're going to be angry, justifiably so. You were slighted by the OSR community. Mark Kern was slighted by the role-playing community on Google Plus when he came over because he's making a tabletop game. I'm not saying you should forget that, but when the RPG pundit says something about Impendix N, just understand his opinion is irrelevant. It does not matter. And so if you want to respond, that's fine. But other than that, he's irrelevant. There are better things to talk about. There are cooler things to talk about because the pulps are awesome and the RPG Pundit's opinion does not matter to that discussion. The end. That's my opinion. Full stop. Take it for what it's worth. Well, knowing you, I'm, I'm going to invest considerable weight in that. That's why I asked. Hey, uh, switching gears a bit, uh, I haven't kept up with the new Netflix hotness. Have either of you guys seen the Luke Cage show yet? I've seen five episodes. What do you say? Um, one episode got really boring at some point. I think it was episode four or five got really boring at some point. Uh, I just They just kind of dragged in that one episode. The other ones, it's kind of a slow burn. It's 13 episodes of that season. It's kind of a slow burn. The first two episodes, other people have complained about it. I enjoyed the first two episodes because they're setting up the milieu. They're setting up the flavor of this, this version of Harlem they're building. They're setting up all the characters so you know the characters and you care about them. And they're setting up this world in motion. Things are already happening when you start watching the show. Characters are already doing stuff. They already have a history. Things are already happening. And you're finding out about where people are going and what they're doing and what their motivation is. So that when stuff starts going down, you actually kind of care when people start getting killed or when they start losing stuff when things start happening you're kind of invested in them and so on that level yeah it's not a it's not an avengers movie right off they don't start off with a big you know gun battle they don't start off with a big action scene the very first minute of the show and so it's kind of a slow burn because they're they've got 13 episodes to tell this big story of the conflict between the main hero and the main villain so it, it doesn't jump off and grab you immediately with high action every single minute of the show um i'm still not i'm still not satisfied 
I, I can't tell you yet whether the whole series will be worth it because I haven't seen all 13 episodes, but it, it did not, it's not as grimy and dirty and nasty as Jessica Jones was because the first couple episodes of Jessica Jones just made me feel like I had to take a shower. It was just gross. Surprising to hear that, all that about a show that's, you know, about a bulletproof guy. Yeah. You, you think they just start off just, hey, check this out. Bang. Check it out. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed most of the first five episodes. One of them got, a, uh, got slow and a little bit boring. And you're like, okay, guys, you got to pick this up right now. But um, I think it was episode four. But you know what? For the most part, I've enjoyed it. I'm willing to stick with it. I haven't been able to binge watch it the way I wanted to because I've been busy all this weekend. But uh, I hope so this week. Cool. All right, we are running down to the last minutes. Um, anything else we want to talk about before we take off? No, I'm good. That was fun. Any last words, okay. Brian? Well, as for me, once again, my uh, Campbell-nominated first book, Ethereal, is available from Amazon in ebook and <laughs> paperback format. Links below. It's Dragon Award-winning sequel, Soul Dancer. Even high rated. Um, I don't know, Dornell. I think uh, you'd say that you, you felt it was superior to Ethereal so far. You still hold to that? Yeah, 50% of the assessment. way through. The, the prologue still makes no sense. Just skip the prologue, everybody. No, don't don't skip the prologue. It it ties in. It will tie in soon. Oh, okay. But yeah, also available. Yeah, it's important. Like the dude, Almuth, I can tell you this. He is the main character of the whole eight-book series. Everything that has happened is basically his fault. Uh, I will report back when I finish it. I will re report back with the precise page where that actually matters. As, as, so as soon as I, I feel that, I'll let you know. Um, I want to say this. I am currently right. reading the the third issue of Cursova Magazine. The first two issues were awesome. The third issue looks like it's going to be awesome. I'm enjoying all of them so far. Please check out Cursova Magazine. We had uh, P. Alexander on a couple of weeks ago. Check it out on Amazon. It starts with a C, Cursova, C-I-R-S-O-V-A. Um, Pulp Revolution is awesome because high action, fast paced, interesting stories are awesome. And, um, Jeff's book about Appendix N, about all these pulp books that went into Gary Gygax's creation of D&D, is going to be coming out sometime soon. Um, and uh, there's something else that is, is about that that I may be able to talk about soon that I can't talk about yet. I won't talk about yet until I've been given permission to, but uh, I'm excited for the book. I'm excited for, I loved his series of posts. They introduced me personally to a whole big world of really awesome books. So, um, when his book comes out, we're going to have him on the show. So I asked him to come on several months ago, and he said he wouldn't come on until his book was out and he could talk about it. So we're going to have Jeff Earl on the show to talk about his Appendix N book when it comes out. Um, Sweet. I, uh, I'm very excited by the Pulp Revolution. I'm very excited to see people going back to the roots of science fiction and fantasy, going back to the roots of when stories were about excitement, when stories were about fun, when stories were about adventure, when they were not about misery and preaching and social justice and sitting around 
And I, I just uh, love to see people like Sky Hernstrom and Misha Burnett and all of the other authors who are, and, I, and if I am not mentioning your name, believe me, it is not intended as a slight. I apologize. And all the other authors who have appeared in Kursova uh, so far, please check out the magazine. It's, it's wonderful. Um, and uh, I just want to say uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We are uh, signing off for today, but don't worry. Don't fret. We will be back.